challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, we begin. I want to talk to you in this podcast about something that really has stirred me. My EA, my executive assistant, Karen Montgomery, who's an amazing woman, uh, sent me a Twitter uh, thread that really got me stirred up. It was about men. It was about men talking about what they didn't relate to in men's movements, in the men's ministry at their church, in the themes of manhood that had been handed them through their lives. So I'm up really early this morning here in Nashville, Tennessee. This thing's got me stirred up, and I want to talk to you about it for just a little bit. You know, in most of the men's movements, in most of men's ministries, in most men's literature, there is an assumption that men are meant to be outdoorsy. They're meant to be hunters. They're meant to be into sports. They're, they are a true man hunts, a true man kills whitetail, a true man goes to turkey hunting, you know, a true man maybe has a motorcycle. It's that kind of almost muscular Christianity in a sense. And not just muscular, but outdoorsy, a certain style, you know, American outdoorsman kind of theme. And I want to deal with that just a little bit because I, I don't want men to feel excluded from the core issues of noble manhood because they aren't particularly outdoorsy. They don't like to hunt. They're not maybe given to sports. Uh, They're not of a certain type. The fact is that noble manhood, great manhood, just righteous manhood, whatever adjective you want to use, I obviously use the phrase great man, uh, that great manhood is about some core truths. It's about understanding God's design for you. It's about taking responsibility. It's about using your gifts for the good of others and for the glory of God. Uh, It's about banding together with a band of brothers to become better and do life together and uh, help each other improve, but also to serve those outside the group, etc. These are the core issues, and of course there are others. And so what happens is that when some men get together, certain types, certain generations, certain cultures, that it becomes, and this is fine, it becomes about the hunt or the cigars or the whiskey, or it becomes about sports or it becomes about motorcycles and tattoos. And, and that this, then you aren't, you don't really fit in the men's ministry at First Baptist. I'm just making this up, guys. You Baptists don't be concerned about me. Um, it becomes about the men's ministry at First Baptist being all about the hunt. Uh, or all about the woods, or all about something else like that. When the fact is, and of course we all know this, but maybe we just don't say it out loud enough, that there are many varieties of manhood. That, That as long as the core values, the core issues of great manhood are in place, not every man's gonna fit the outdoorsy, athletic, muscular, uh, stereotype or image that some guys fit. I'm going to tell you honestly that uh, 
I don't smoke cigars that much. Some of my friends, man, they get they get away from the office. They got a cigar in their hand. Uh, I had a polyp on my vocal cord some years ago. Started sounding like Rod Stewart, and I had to have it snipped off. Doctor said that you shouldn't probably have very many ever again. So I have a few cigars a year. The guys I hang with who smoke cigars all the time, they know that. Um, I also don't like liquor straight. So I'll have uh, liquor mixed, but I don't sit around and drink whiskey straight, hardly ever, uh, only if somebody hands it to me and I don't want to be rude. Um, I do drink alcohol. I've said that many times. I drink wine. But to sit there and just drink whiskey straight like a lot of guys do nowadays, especially in their men's gatherings, I don't do it. Um, I have hunted in my life. I've killed whitetail. I've killed coyote. I've killed turkey. Uh, I've, I've shot other things, birds, lots of dove. Um, but that was a phase in my life when I lived in West Texas. That was the culture. I wanted to relate to the men there. I was a pastor. Um, I don't do it very much now. I like to shoot pistols on a range. I like to keep my skills up, but I'm not, I'm not that much that way. I like the outdoors. I think all of us should stay connected to the outdoors. I believe it's a, it's part of what we're made to do. And I think it's a, quite frankly, as a Christian, I believe the Romans one perspective that, uh, God's glory, uh, God's power, uh, aspects of his divine nature are revealed in that. I think it's important. Uh, I think nature's important, but I'm not extremely outdoorsy. My wife actually teases me that I can do just fine, have a perfectly happy day and never set foot, uh, outside of the house, the gym or whatever. Um, it's not that I'm anti-nature or, you know, allergic or something. It's just that it's not as much of a primary drive as it is for some other guys. So I'm saying all this to say that I, I probably don't talk about these things enough. Um, that I, that I, that it, there are varieties in the expressions of manhood, just like if I were to say, Hey, all men ought to dance. Well, we would all dance differently based on our bodies, our culture, our training, uh, we would dance differently. And that's sort of the way it is with manhood. <clears throat> there are certain core things, like with dance, there's music, there's movement, those are core. But with with manhood, there are core things. And then after that, we're all doing it uniquely. Um, I like the young guys I know and work with who uh, love to play soccer or love to play Frisbee football and and are outdoors working out like that a lot. But they don't go to gyms and they don't hunt and they don't want to fish. Um, and, and so when they get together, you know, they're, they're watching, they're binge watching a TV show before or after they have their band of brothers gathering and uh, they they like to meet at coffee shops and it's just a different vibe. It's just a different vibe, but it's still viable, vital and viable and healthy and good. Um, I, I urge them not to uh, watch too much television, sit around binge watching too much, just like I urge my uh, other guys not to be doing stogies 24-7. I mean, we do know they're carcinogenic to some degree um, or, or et cetera. You understand what I mean. But here's the key. You've got to imbibe the core values of what it means to be a great man. And then you're going to have a culture based on your ethnicity, based on your generation, your age, uh, based on who you hang with, uh, where that, those core values, those core truths have to be lived out. And they're different. So I don't want any of you who are listening to this and those you influence, by the way, to believe that you're not called and made for, quote unquote, great manhood, as Stephen Mansfield's always saying. Um, because you don't like to hunt or you don't like to fish. 
uh, or you don't care for motorcycles, or stogies don't mean anything to you, or whiskey doesn't mean stuff to you. This has become so much identified with the men's movement, uh, a real outdoorsy kind of life, a, a real visceral kind of life. Some people aren't like that. I'm so grateful that some of you listening to this are rather effete university professors. And I say all those words with honor. Uh, you spend a lot of time thinking. Um, one guy wrote me and said, be sure and speak to the Poindexters. <laughs> he was making a joke. He said, love what you do. Remember that some of us you know, spend all our days in front of classes or in the stacks at a university, but we're doing valuable work. And yet we're also imbibing and living out the core values of what it means to be good, righteous, noble men. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And so I'm overemphasizing it perhaps in this podcast because I was very stirred by what Karen sent to me. In that Twitter thread, uh, guys were saying, yeah, my father took me out to kill a deer and I, I've never wanted to kill anything since. Does that mean I'm less of a man? And other guys said, yeah, I got in the men's ministry and it was all about stogies and tattoos and uh, you know, other than obviously the Bible teaching and so on, they weren't saying that's all they did. But the culture was one of, hey, we're all going to go for a motorcycle ride. Hey, we're all going to, you know, go hunting. Hey, we're all going to go fishing. It was all that kind of thing. Uh, even fixing cars. And this guy said, I don't own a car. I live in a city. I take public transportation. I'm happy to do it. I'm very, I'm thrilled. I'm green. I ride a bike a lot on weekends. Uh, I read a lot. Uh, I like to walk. Uh, I read poetry. What does that mean? Does that mean I don't fit? I'm, I'm saying, of course not. Of course not. Uh, in one of my books, I describe the fact that I live, of course, half my year in Nashville, Tennessee, and a lot of my friends are musicians, some of them very well known. And, and a, a few of my friends are just good men, godly men, real, just great men with their families. And uh, as far as I know, before God and just men I admire. But to look at them from behind Given their hair length, given the slightness of their bodies, given their lack of body hair, lack of body hair, I'd have no problem believing that they were women if I didn't know them. Uh, it's quite possible I could I could think that they were women. I'm not talking about tight jeans or anything like that. I'm just talking about their smaller, thinner, less hairy, uh, longer hair. They're musicians. Uh, that's that's I don't mean that as a negative generalization. I'm just saying uh, these are not guys who are pumping iron every day, but. I'm telling you what, this guy's sport, what I'm thinking of, long blonde hair, this guy's sport is badminton, and he is a terror. He is a terror. He went to college. He fell in with a bunch of Asians who played who played uh, badminton all the time. Badminton for me was kind of a backyard sport you did at a picnic, but I never took it seriously otherwise. Oh, my gosh, have I gotten an education about how huge badminton can be as a competitive sport. And this guy's amazing. Well, most men's ministries, if they heard he was playing badminton, probably would tease him a little bit. But we need to be careful to send the right signal. And I really want to urge those of you who lead men's organizations, those of you who lead men's ministries or whatever, uh, this is why I urge that we focus what we do with men more on bands of brothers than on great big groups. Let me explain why. If let's let me just pretend that I'm a for a moment for the sake of this podcast a a men's minister at a big church and I've got 400 men I'm just making this up now those 400 men are likely very diverse even if they're all of course in one geographical area they're likely very very diverse they likely are motivated by different things they likely do different things they likely have different body types uh, not all of them are hunters not all of them are fishermen not all of them are whatever not all of them care are gearheads care about motors all that kind of thing. 
So when you build bands of brothers, what happens is that people who are relatively alike band up, relatively. You want diversity in your bands of brothers. And I've certainly described mine, which is very diverse. Um, but you, but, but nevertheless, they still can relate to each other. Uh, I'm not saying that all the badminton players get together in one band of brothers. You need to have a, a, a break it up a little bit, but at least there's recognition of the diversity because it's a small group that understands each individual guy. If all I do is deal with them at the 400 member level, 400 guys in a great big room, all of them having to deal with my personality, all of them having to deal with one style of music, all of them having to deal with one uh, type of illustration, one, one, one stream of illustrations that I use, but let's say I talk hunting all the time. Well, guys aren't going to feel apart. Guys aren't going to feel challenged. They aren't going to feel like the like they're being spoken to where they live. But if you focus on the on the, the subdivision, the, the band of brothers, and when you come together as 400, you're coming together as a band of brothers. Well, now you're coming together as different tribes. And so I'm a big believer in that. Just think about high school. When you were in high school, I, you know, I, I remember the kids I used to know who were in West Texas. And at West Texas High School, you had the jocks, you had the brainiacs, you had the dopers, you had the ropers. In West Texas, you had ropers who were the cowboys, uh, the guys who, you know, rode horses and dreamed of doing rodeo and stuff like that. And you had other groupings. You know, you'd have the cheerleaders, you'd have the whatever, the valley girls. When they were back in the day, they used to talk about valley girls as being the, the stylish kind of, oh my gosh, kind of girls. Well, of course, you have many different tribes. Well, that's the way it is in all of life. That's the way it is in Washington, D.C. That's the way it is on a football team, for heaven's sakes. That's the way it is everywhere. You have different subdivisions. You have different personalities. You have different groups. It's just how human beings are. We can like each other and relate to each other across the lines. But still, uh, we we pull, like to pull together with people who are somewhat our own tribe or at least get who we are. Some of my best friends are people who are not exactly like me. Believe me, I'm weird. Who who spends you know half their life sitting at a desk writing and who travels as much as I do and who has who does weird things like work in the Middle East and what have you. Um, so my guys don't necessarily do what I do, but they understand what I do and I understand what they do and who they are. And we relate to, to each other at, at a level that's affirming of the uniqueness that we are. My guys aren't upset with me. They know I've spent an entire evening reading a book. That's what Stephen Mansfield does and has to do by the way, but also loves to do. And I'm not upset with them. Uh, if the, if, I'm just making something up here. If the guy, for example, was in my band of brothers and spent all evening playing badminton because that's how he relaxes, that's how he works out, that's what he's built into his family culture. You see what I'm trying to say here? I want us to be careful not to send the wrong signal. I hang out with a lot of military, a lot of, a lot of professional athletes, obviously big muscle guys, big, bold hunters, jocks, lifting weights, breaking weightlifting records, you know, talking about their, 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 you know, time in the 40 yard dash, all that kind of thing. I mean, this is the kind of world, uh, that I, I'm often in, but that's not the only world of men. Uh, the, the, the guy who's wired differently, the guy who's interested. I mean, I, I got a friend who's interested in butterflies. I got an interested who's one guy who's collects mushrooms. I mean, it's just the manhood is diverse and we don't want to force every guy through a funnel. If we do, we're going to lose people. So I'm talking to you guys out there 
who perhaps have just been on the edge of a great man movement or a nobleman movement, or just maybe not felt part. Maybe you listen to this podcast because you hear some stuff that helps you, but maybe I've given you the impression wrongly that all men or others have, that all men who are really serious about God and manhood, you know, are carrying a, you know, 30-06 and, you know, lifting weights with the other hand and have a whiskey on their desk or something, that that's what manhood is. And I want to say it has a huge variety in it. I want to say there's a lot of different expressions. Um, one of the finest men I know, uh, if you were to fake an insulting image and try to do an insulting voice of what you think the average gay person is, that's what this friend of mine sounds like. I, I don't know how else to exp- express it. And I know I have gay guys listen to this podcast and you know I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm saying if a hetero guy was trying to fake what it sounds like to be gay in an insulting manner, to just put it down, that's almost exactly what my friend it sounds like. It's just the way he talks. And yet he's one of the finest men I know. Not gay, got a wife, got a bunch of kids, uh, overcoming troubles and challenges. One of the finest guys I know. Now, my point is that manhood comes in a huge variety of packages. There are core values. There are, there's a core chemistry to great manhood, as I define it. Um, but, but it's not a given style. It's not a way of dress. It's not a certain look of body. It's not a hair, certain haircut. It's not a certain depth of voice. It's not a certain testosterone level. Uh, it's not a certain consumption of cigars or liquor or steak or whatever. Yeah. You can be a great man and be a vegetarian. Uh, you can be a great man and never, never walk into a gym. You need to be challenging yourself physically and you need to be getting into nature but I'm not, I, I've never owned a motorcycle. I'm not likely to ever own a motorcycle. Uh, only a fool would say that a, that a true man's got a motorcycle. But on the other hand, great men that I know have got, have got several motorcycles and enjoy the heck out of them. Great, all for it. Just, just not define manhood in terms of a certain slice of, in this case, uniquely American manhood. So be free and be involved. Those are the two things I want to say to you. Those of you guys who aren't the typical... American macho man, so to speak. I don't know how else to describe it in shorthand. Um, don't don't be distanced. Don't back away. Uh, yeah, maybe you've tried to go to a church men's ministry and they've been, you know, all about the whatever, the axe throwing or whatever. Uh, okay, understand, you know, the guy's trying to appeal to men. He's trying to draw something out. He's trying to separate the men from the women a little bit. He doesn't mean to be saying you got to be Daniel Boone to be a great man. He's just trying to find some way to relate to men. Stay involved. Stay connected. Be encouraged that that you can do manhood like jazz. Certain core themes and outside of that, it's a matter of your individual gifts, your individual interests, the guys you band with, etc. So if I've ever given the impression, and by the way, this, this Twitter thread was not about me. I was just moved by it. If I've ever given the impression that manhood is all about, you know, muscles and and guys talking smack in a locker room, forgive me. What I want to say is that manhood is certain core truths all men should live out. I'm not hiding from that. Beyond that, though, it's a matter of individual personality. It's a matter of individual gifts. It's a matter of your culture and your tribe and the people you hang with. Like, I, like I've said in some of my books, I know a band of brothers, fantastic band of brothers. It's largely guys with darker skin, and, it, and they do drum circle every time they get together. 
I think it's cool. Don't quite relate to it. Probably wouldn't be in a band of brothers that was about drum circle, but thank God these guys do. Thank God these guys do. And so that's how it works. You find the core values, the connection to God, the commitment to be the, the, use your gifts to the glory of God and for the good of others, uh, the commitment to walk a, a clean and pure life and not give yourself to addictions and things that destroy you, um, the, the, the involvement of a band of brothers and your involvement in them, um, etc. Those core truths that we talk about all the time. Getting healthy, getting whole, pushing back on the images and, and, and the, the, the press of the culture around us that treats masculinity as a toxic thing. Taking your place in, your, in, your, in the field assigned to you, taking the, your place in, in society and doing what you're called to do. All of those core truths, but at the same time knowing that half or more of what, how you walk out manhood is pretty much an individual thing, or at least if not exclusively individual, it's pretty much a, a tribal thing almost, that there are different tribes of men, different kind of men. And I want to say something else as I close here. I know I've gone a little bit long, but I want to say something else. It's okay for you to feel a little bit of a misfit. I, I want to tell you that throughout most of my life, though it has not been debilitating, I have felt like a misfit. I am big, look like a football player, um, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reader and a thinker and an introvert. I spend a lot of time alone. I remember a guy recently I went to high school with said that we, we were living in Germany at the time. As you may recall, I spent, did my high school years largely in Germany, and we were uh, heading on a, a trip to play football uh, at, at another school hours away. And he said, I remember looking at you, and you were sitting there looking out the window of the bus the entire trip, and I wondered, what was on your mind? Well, see, I've always kind of been that way. Not weird, but just thoughtful. Just who knows what I was thinking about back then. I was 16 in Germany. I don't know what I was thinking. But my point is that I'm a little bit different, a little bit unusual. You know, one guy said you were the only jock who carried a book. Now, that wasn't true, but just different. Uh, my favorite music is a weird kind of music called Celtic music. You know, I mean, I just, it's just unusual. What have I been reading recently? Celtic theology. I mean, who's reading Celtic theology? Um, I know more, I know more about dead languages than I know about living languages. It's just, uh, I'm a little bit of an unusual guy. And what I, I'm on, I'm not saying that to build a brand. I'm saying that to say to you, uh, being a little bit unusual, being a little bit outside the group, feeling yourself a little bit misfit. It's okay. It's okay. You should give praise to God that he made you unique and just relax in it. I'm just different. I don't 100% fit any group. The issue, though, is I don't let it debilitate me. I don't let it weaken me. I don't let it hobble me. I just go, you know what? I'm made unusually when I sit with my best friends. I don't feel 100% a fit. And it's okay. It's just okay. So find your groove don't let a hyper-masculine theme in some men's, parts of the men's movement drive you off. And please hear me say, you are a man. You are a good man. You're going to be a better man. You're going to rise and, and ascend and achieve and fulfill what you're made to be. And you don't have to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his heyday to do it. You don't have to be the American sportsman out there, you know, climbing a mountain or fishing or, or hunting for, you know, catfish in the deep river or something. You know, that's not the way it has to be. You find your groove built on the core values and be the man that you're made to be. We'll be proud of you. We'll bond with you. We'll encourage you. We'll inspire you. And you know what we'll have? We'll have a greater variety and diversity of what manhood means. We'll reach our generation better. We'll all be 
uh, more whole, uh, we'll all be happier, we'll all be more effective, we'll all learn from each other in our diversity, and we'll see manhood restored in our generation because this is one of the arts of great manhood. To join the Great Man Movement or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's three essential books for men, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 